called uh, the Holy Spirit. And each week we've taken a different facet of the work of the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to talk because it's Mother's Day, perfect day for this. Thank you. There's one mother that's happy to be a mother. All right. <laughs> it can be a stressful day, I know. Uh, the Spirit, Women, and Destiny. So let's, let's read a very well-known passage where women come into the view in a, in a unique way. When the day of Pentecost came, they were, all to get, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were seated. Seated, sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I feel good. I'm, I'm in the Bible. <laughs> Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and, on, and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, this happened 2,000 years ago, this, this event that, that Luke uh, records and, and then passes on. It was a very significant event in history. But what, he says something that it's really easy to pass over when you, when you read this. If you don't know what the world was like in the first century, and even in, in much of the world that we live in today, this event was a watershed event in the history of women in the world. Because in the ancient world, and, and still today, women are you know, uh, marginalized, and women have uh, significant limitations put on them by men and by people in power, and by, sometimes by women, sometimes self-imposed limitations. And so this very, very significant event here had, has special application to women. And I want you to see what I just read to you. I want, I just, I want to remind you what happened. And then I want to go back and just touch on, on, the, on what he said there and then try to apply it to you. Because there's three words in there that you have to pay attention to that you know, it might be easy for you just to skip over. But on the day of Pentecost, uh, God poured out his spirit on, on sort of a, a ragtag group of the followers of Jesus who were left after his death and burial and resurrection and then his ascension. A lot of people who had followed Jesus up to that point, psh, adios. There wasn't very, there's was maybe 120 people left after tens of thousands that were following him. On the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, they had a festival. And the Jewish people every year celebrated three large festivals. And people, Jews who were from all over the world, would come back and celebrate. And it would be like you know, the 4th of July in the United States. All over the United States, people celebrate the 4th of July. But this was, wasn't just a celebration all over the world. It happened in Jerusalem in particular. So Jewish people made a pilgrimage from wherever they lived to Jerusalem. And on that day, when 
the followers of Jesus were gathering and praying, the Holy Spirit fell on them, and we, we saw what happened. And there was, it was very dramatic. Fire rested on each one of the followers of Jesus. And then they began to proclaim uh, God, how great God was. And thousands and thousands and thousands of Jewish pilgrims heard them. But there was a miracle that happened that these Galileans, and, and you can't necessarily pick it up in the passage, but when the people were sort of amongst themselves trying to talk about what to make of what they saw happening with these Galileans as they were proclaiming God's, uh, God's greatness, they were proclaiming them in all the languages of all the nations where they lived. So these Galilean hicks, because Galilee was, would be kind of like southern Ohio to us urbane Columbus dwellers, all right? And they were saying, these Galileans, where did they get that book learning? Where did they learn how to speak all these languages? But it was a miracle of God. God was saying, there's been barriers between people and my people for far too long, and so I'm going to break those barriers down. But what's the most amazing point that, that often fairly, fairly ever gets noticed is that women were in the middle of this. It wasn't just men. Women experienced this outpouring of the Spirit, and they stood right alongside men, and they proclaimed these great wonders of God, and they got the attention of the people. And what, what Peter said was, this was God's plan, and that when they stood up, I'm going to explain to you what prophecy is in a second, but when they stood up and they prophesied and declared God's greatness to all these people, it was going to trigger, because women were, and men were now together representing God in the world, it was going to trigger this cascade of wonders in the world. And then it would, it would usher in changes that would touch people in the highest places in the world and the lowest places. And, and you know, every socioeconomic, political, uh, ethnic place in the world would be touched by what started here, and that women would be in the center of it. Now, there used to be a prayer that Jewish rabbis prayed to the effect that they would say, God, thank you that I'm not a Gentile, and, and this, and that, and that I'm not a woman. That was a prayer that, that Jewish rabbis prayed, because women were seen as second-class citizens, even though in Israel, women were treated way better than they were in the rest of the world. But what happened here at Pentecost was women were brought up to another place that they'd never been anywhere else. Just like servants, there was these, these class distinctions that exist everywhere to this day. But when the kingdom of God breaks in, those class distinctions begin to disappear. Now, let me tell you something. When the language that, that Joel, I mean, sorry, yeah, that, that uh, Joel used here, I'll put it up here. When they prophesy, God is going to show wonders in the heavens and signs on the earth. That's metaphorical language for heavens and earth, places of great political influence and, and financial power down to the lowest levels of every society are going to be impacted when men and women represent God well in the world. And he says, the sun 
will be turned to darkness and the moon. And they believed in the ancient world that the sun and the moon were, you know, spiritual deities, and they worshiped them. And, that, and you know, today, people still look at their, uh, their horoscopes to, because they believe the powers of the stars and things, you know, uh, we, uh, we're not, oh, <laughs> Black Panther. Okay, that was a good show. All right, we'll go back here. I'm going to stop it. Back up. Sorry. All right, there we go. We're back again. Welcome back. Thank you. Eric, Eric rescued me. So you guys are looking up there and thinking, what is he looking at his computer for? We can't see anything. So he's describing how the powers, whatever powers people conceived of that ran their lives, were going to be swamped by the love of God revealed through his people. And that women were going to be instrumental in that, right alongside men. There wasn't going to be these two tiers anymore. There wasn't going to be the kind of you know, marginalization of women, that this was go- something was going to happen. So to the point that all across the world, there'd be a spiritual awakening. And so the work of Jesus on the cross is what opens the door for this outpouring of the Spirit, that Jesus came and reconciled people to God, that whoever calls on his name, the Spirit of God, who, who if you read the narrative of the Bible, who's, who was a creative force in the world, the person, the person of God, who was working in the world, creating everything and sustaining everything, inhabiting everything, and, and we're the air we breathe. The word in Hebrew for a spirit is the word for breath or air. The word for spirit in Greek in the New Testament is the word for breath or air. So the spirit of life would invade us and take us to another place level of life that we could never realize because of Jesus. So that this spirit would be poured out so that we can begin to realize our God-given destiny to shape nations. So what he's saying is, the, out, the, the link between the spirit and women and destiny is, if you will allow the Holy Spirit to fill you over and over and over as a woman, whatever barriers that you've experienced whatever man-made or self-imposed barriers will begin to break down, that God will give you a voice and an influence that will shape the nations. So later on at the end of that section where Peter is explaining to the Jewish people what happened, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, Those people who heard him say this in the first century, it's for them and their children and for all who are far far off and for all whom the Lord our God will call. So that's us, that's you, all the women that are here and men. But I'm applying this to women because I think we have to constantly hear this, that the gospel says women are image bearers like men are, and they're made to, to rule and reign and to influence the world the way men are. This was a radical idea. I mean... I know you and I can't hear this because we live in a society where women have, have, have experienced a certain measure of freedom that, trust me, in the first century would not even have entered their minds. They would never even thought of life as we experience it now. With all the imperfections that we experience in our society and all the ways that women are still marginalized and second class, nothing like what we experience today 
could even have been conceived of in that time. And so this was a revolutionary message and a revolutionary experience. So the outpouring of the Spirit opened the door in particular for women to begin to realize their God-given destiny. So if you're a woman here today, I just want to apply this to you. So Luke uses three key words to highlight how the work of the Spirit helps us to fulfill our God-given destiny. Fire, prophecy, and wait. Now, wait isn't in this section. It was in the chapter before, but let's look at these three. So fire. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's lots of ancient uh, drawings and paintings and pictures of the Holy Spirit descending on the day of Pentecost, but I thought it's interesting. All of them are fairly faithful to the text. I, p- I picked this one because I just thought it was kind of interesting that two women were in the center of the picture, and the Spirit was coming down on them, and it was, it was breaking through limitations. The Spirit breaks through limitations that, that are around us and in us. And here's what fire does. Fire purifies and it renews. The Canadian, uh, forget what the, I, where I got this quote from. I was doing some research and I read this. In Canada, their natural resources division of their government said this. They, they were talking about forest fires. Forest fires stimulate new growth. Fire is as crucial to forest renewal as the sun and the rain. Forest fires release valuable nutrients stored in the litter on the forest floor. They open the forest canopy to sunlight, which stimulates new growth. Fire is a symbol of the work of the Holy Spirit. If we're going to ever fulfill our destiny, we need purification. We need renewal. That's why we need to be filled with the Spirit over and over and over, because this fire, that part of the activity of the Spirit is like fire that purifies us, and renews us. John the Baptist said about his ministry and then about Jesus, he said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, he's talking about Jesus, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And that's in Acts 1, it says the same thing, that the Holy Spirit comes and he baptizes with fire. So it's not just all a pleasant, wonderful experience. It, it's a purifying, cleansing experience. Because if we're going to fulfill our destiny, we have to be different than we are. Prophecy. Second word. So we looked at fire, looked at prophecy. So here's, again, the quote from the book of Joel. Peter's quoting from a a prophet who'd written about 700 years before the day of Pentecost. And here's what Joel said. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. And I stop there because he, he just repeats himself. Hebrews do that. They, they state something and then they restate it. They state something and they contrast it. That's just the way that Hebrew writers wrote. And so he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit and your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. Now, this is God's destiny for you as women and for us as men too. To speak and live for God in such a way that crucial environments, our home, business, education, government... All the most significant environments in the world will be reshaped by the kingdom of God that comes through you in your life. So we kind of think of prophecy in a technical sense. It's like sometimes we'll stand up here and someone will give a prophetic word for somebody. That's prophecy, but that's prophecy in a more narrow sense. To prophesy is to represent God 
to speak for him in the world. And when you speak for him, there's an understanding from the very beginning, from Genesis to Revelation, that to speak for God, when you truly speak for God, inspired by God, something is released that's creative and powerful that begins to change the environment you're in. And, and that it goes beyond our words, it goes to our life. That, that our life, when we're full of the Holy Spirit, is augmented in this way that there's a cascade of change that issues from us. Not because we're perfect, it's because of who we represent. Our weakness highlights that it's God. Our weakness is not a disqualifying thing. Our weakness is actually what qualifies us to do this. But God says you will prophesy, which was a term in the Old Testament for people who are his authorized spokespeople. Men and women. Prophetesses like Deborah. Prophets like Moses. David was a prophet. There are all kinds of prophets. And they represented God and they spoke for him. And when they spoke, something was released into the environment into which they spoke. Through their life and through their words. And so... God wants, through the power of the Holy Spirit, for us to, to shape the environments in which we live. That God puts you in places because he wants to reshape it. And he says, I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, sun, moon, just to go back to that. Uh, here's an example. I have an acquaintance uh, out in California, and he does a lot of ministry in the entertainment world. And his church, I've been to his church a number of times, and... He has a lot of influence in, in the entertainment world. He, he moved to plant a church in Southern California because he really believed that God wanted him. But he, had, he, he moved from uh, middle America. He moved from Kansas to L.A. And his parents were raised in the Vineyard Movement. And he just said, I feel like it was supposed to have an impact on the entertainment industry. So he moved there. And God's just opened doors for him. It's been very interesting. All these doors that have opened for him to speak to people who are in very high levels of production and, and writing and, and creativity in the media world. And so he was at a, uh, a gathering, and he was asked to speak. And uh, let's see, what was he speaking on? Oh, uh, because he's a pastor, they said, how? And there, I guess a lot of the people that were there were believers. And so they, the topic they asked him to speak on was, how can God lead us in our entertainment calling. And many of the people who were there never considered before that God, you know, even though they were people of faith, that God could actually lead them in their vocation to create entertainment for, you know, whoever. So he said, uh, at a certain point as he's talking on his topic, he just felt like God dropped this into his mind. He said, is there someone here, a writer here, who's writing a political intrigue series and screenplay about a modern day Solomon and it's about his rulership. And if you're here, I think your name is Sam. And some, this young writer jumps up and says, how did you know this? They were a believer, but they'd never seen God give a specific prophetic word through him. And so this guy goes on and says, God loves the creativity inside you. He's authored your project, and he will help you with it. It will take longer than you think, but it's totally his desire. He's going to give you a connection to Sony Motion Pictures to help you develop your writing gift. He was even more shocked, and later on he, he took this guy aside and said, he had just signed a three-year picture writing contract, not on his own project, but just to cultivate uh, his, his writing with Sony. And so 
He had never had a prophetic word from someone else, but he was convinced about what he had heard himself, and he knew that God would confirm it. It was his most precious secret because he felt such a calling and sense of purpose behind it. See, a lot of times we don't have, we, we don't carry a sense of purpose for our jobs. But do you think that God doesn't care about and enjoy what you're doing? And I know that every job has its drab. It's not even 80-20. Some jobs it's like 20% is great and the other 80% sucks. You know, it should be the other way around because we live in a fallen world. But that 20%, God loves that. He loves, he, he gives us a passion for things. And some people think, oh, gosh, John, to do what you do must be the best job in the world. And I go, well, let me tell you, not most of the time. But I love doing it. And I, know, I have friends here in the vineyard who you, you guys love your jobs and you shouldn't feel guilty about it. But one of, the, one of the, the things that God wants to give you is a vision for how you living in that job can shape that job with the kingdom. Because you know, there's a lot of messed up stuff that goes on in every workplace, right? Some of you are, must not be convinced, right? Do you know that, right? Are you just a, is your boss here and you're afraid to say it? Okay. But it's, it's an open secret. Most workplaces are really messed up, churches included. And God wants the kingdom to break in through you, through you. And the power of the Holy Spirit is the crucial element that begins to make that happen. So here's what, in the beginning, God's heart for people was. He spoke it to Abraham, but it's a, it's a promise that's repeated over and over and over in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. This is not an Old Testament promise to one prophet named Abraham or one patriarch named Abraham. It was, it was a principle that was spoken to him that Jewish people owned through their whole history and that the New Testament believers realized this is our story too. God said to Abram, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. In other words, where you go, you're going to counteract injustice and things that are wrong and whoever fights against that, I will fight against them, not to destroy them, but to try to transform their perspective and their life to get with my project. Then he says, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And that Hebrew word, all peoples, is us. It's everybody. It's, it's the Hebrew word goyim, which means all the people that aren't Jewish. So he's saying, are you tracking with me, that God has blessed you, and he wants to continue to bless you, and he wants the blessing to be so profound that it begins to shape the lives of the people around you. And it, because of where you are at work, your workplace is blessed. That your, the business there thrives. That people get along and they begin to enjoy their job. That your customers benefit. That God, isn't that crazy idea? That customers would benefit from a company to whom they contract with. That's what God wants. He wants to do it through all of us in our imperfections. But the power of the Holy Spirit is crucial to this. So here's, at the end of Revelation, this is another one of those statements that just repeats itself over and over. The kingdoms of this world, in other words, these big environments of this world that are important, nations, governments, economies, 
down to the micro scale of homes and neighborhoods, have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. This is, this is the legacy of the kingdom, that, that the Spirit breaks in, and women are supposed to be crucial and instrumental in this. I would go so far to say this. If women don't do this, it won't happen. If women aren't part of this, it won't happen. Which leads me to believe that maybe why we don't see this realized more is because women don't play a larger role. And so those of you that are women here, I want you to hear some kind of invitation from God to your heart. And you may have some internal barriers, some internal disqualifiers, they're self-disqualifiers, that would try to keep you from hearing God inviting you into something today. The, the la- so we've, I looked at three words. There's three words that are really key to this. One was fire. You need to be purified. Two, prophesy. You need the power of the Holy Spirit so you can represent God well. But three is this word, wait. He told the Jews as they sought this power of the Holy Spirit, he said this, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John the Baptist, for John baptized with water, but in a few days, there's this wait, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And it says, as a result of what Jesus said, they all joined together constantly in prayer, waiting, looking. That's what we call our privileges. We're waiting, we're asking God, God, pour your spirit out in these very, very specific ways. So here's the challenge. Waiting tests us. Waiting tests, what do you really want? When you have to wait on something, how many times have you gotten in a line in somewhere, and, and it was something to some degree you needed, but you had to keep waiting and waiting and waiting, and at a certain point you go, I don't think I need it this much, <laughs> right? And you get out of line. But when you wait on God, remember what we talked about a couple of weeks ago? One of the things that signs and wonders do is signs and wonders show us that God's here and that he is in charge. Because we get confused about that. Especially in America, we have so much freedom. We have so much control. We have so many options. We, we, we operate so many times under this delusion that I'm really in control. And it's good that I'm in control. It's better than I'm in control than someone else. But God is always trying to disabuse us of that deception. Because if you think you're in control, you're in a mess. And waiting, the way God makes us wait for the power of the Holy Spirit, oftentimes corrects that idea that we have that we're in control. And it tests our hearts. Do I really want God? Because I know frequently when I pray, I will just be quiet and sit before God and say, God, I'm not going to ask you for anything. I'm not going to ask for you to help somebody else. I'm just going to listen to you because you deserve my time. You deserve everything. And he wants us to come to him, and he wants us to petition him, and he wants us to call out for needs, etc., because we're taught that. But he's also worth just pursuing for who he is. And when you learn to wait on him, you start realizing that the treasure I'm seeking is not the answer to my prayer. The treasure I'm seeking is the person that I'm sitting before. And the more you realize you have him, so many other things sort out in your life. So much perspective changes when you realize, wow, I have his love. I have everything. I'm his child. I've got everything. And so much that you carry inside you as you wait starts dropping off. I mean, weights, W-E-I-G-H-T-S. 
So waiting is really powerful, but it tests us, but it also positions us. Waiting positions us to look to the one person who has something for us that will give it to us that will change everything. And waiting is a really crucial part of that. And last of all, it unites us because, again, part of one of the unfortunate characteristics of our culture is that our culture seems to be structured to fragment us, to disconnect us, to, to cause us to devalue other people. I mean, people who, minor, who are minorities experience what it's like on a daily basis to be an outsider and to not to be a part of the majority. And it isn't that the majority is always setting out to communicate that. It's just the way you feel. I've, I've, been, I've spent time as a minority in other cultures, other countries, and it's weird. You just feel like you're on the outside. I mean, I remember walking in different countries, uh, like I was in Brazil once, walking down the street, and I'm taller than everybody. <laughs> And I'm a different color than everybody. And people are like looking at me. And people will stop and they're like, what is it? You know, my zipper? What? Why is everybody staring at me? And I, feel, I felt awkward. I felt weird. Our culture does that to all of us individually. It's like we're, we live in that awkward adolescent teenage state where I just feel so different. But we're made to feel connected, and to be connected. And when everyone has to wait on the Lord for His Spirit to come, it unites us together. It's another way that can unite us together. It's a difference maker. Because I've done it a lot, and so I can just tell you from my experience, when I wait on the Lord with other people, I just feel connected to them in an unusual way. So, this is God's destiny for you, especially women who are here. He wants you to speak and live for him in such a way that crucial environments like home, business, education, government, etc. are shaped or reshaped by the kingdom of God. So what uh, Jason or Adam, is Adam, Adam was here, but he had to leave. If he didn't, Jason, why don't you come up here, Jason Mosser. Is Jason here? We're musically, we're playing musical chairs. I want to just lead you women in a prayer, and then I want to just have a few minutes where we pray and wait on the Lord. Where we just wait and give God some space just for his spirit to, to work and to move and see what he has to say, see what he might want to do. But some of you, in particular, they're women, as we're waiting on the Lord, I want to ask you to in particular take this that I've taught as an invitation from the Lord that he is inviting you to be filled with his spirit today. It doesn't matter where you're at. The work of Jesus on the cross has opened the door for you, if you're a follower of Jesus, to experience the Spirit being poured out into your life and to begin to, to lift you up out of being minimized and reduced and limited, that He wants to empower you to break through barriers and things that are in your life and outside your life and to be a, someone who reshapes the environments that you're in. And I know that you close your eyes and you think, gosh, I run into glass walls and glass ceilings all day long. I don't have the imagination to see it another way than what it is. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you, that's one of the things he said. Let me go all the way back up here again. And it's sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. And in Hebrew, the Hebrew mind, men and women, men and women. Once he said men and women, he just 
doesn't repeat it. They're, they're very concise in their wording. So he wants to give you a dream. He wants to give you a vision of the, of the imagination he has for you. He wants you to be able to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, enter into something that you can't on your own. And I want to ask you if you just pray with me, because I think there's a, a response that you need to make towards the Lord where you say, if, if, if God's spoken to you, where you, you pray and you voice, and if not necessarily in the words that, that I'm going to offer you, but in your own words to God, God, I will fill me with the Spirit. Take me outside my experience. Make me part of that company of people who, how we speak and how we live, reshape environments to look more like your kingdom, a kingdom of justice and love and mercy and generosity and unity and reconciliation. I mean, there's just, every environment's messed up. So, I guess there's no music. So, someone could hum really loud. Just a nice, they're coming? Three minutes? Okay. Surprise. <laughs> I am. I don't want to, I don't want to, listen, I have, in my back pocket, I got rabbit trails you won't believe. But, I do not want to take one of my rabbit trails out of my pocket. We never know where we're going to end up. I've managed to keep this concise. I want to hold on to that. So let's do this. Since we're waiting for music, why don't you just close your eyes and we'll wait. I'll just pray for a moment and we're just going to wait. Lord, we've talked about your wonderful promises to us. And especially for the women that are here. We know you have just great purpose in their lives. And Lord, we know you see more than, me as a man, I have no idea what, what women have experienced. But I know you do. And Jesus, you suffered and died. You, you went to hell that everyone, especially women, would be freed. That they could come into their destiny and purpose. And we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that you promise us. And today in particular, we want to ask that you would pour the Spirit out on women and we've seen that you ask us to wait for that promise, to create space for you to begin to move as you want to. Wait, that your spirit would begin to visit women here and to begin to break shackles, break chains that are on their lives, Lord. Chains that hold them back. Chains of guilt, chains of regret, chains of bad choices, chains of betrayal. Lord, chains of substance abuse, the chains that just begin to fall off of their lives because of the power of your name, Jesus. So I'd just like to ask the women that are here if you, if you, if you feel comfortable doing this. If you don't, you don't have to. But just stand up and I'm going to put a prayer up here on the screen and I can just to pray it with me. I'm going to pray a phrase and then you pray a phrase. Just close your eyes. You don't have to read it. Just close your eyes and say it just from your heart. Just say it to your Father in heaven. He promises the gift of the Holy Spirit for you. Lord, I want to be a woman of destiny. I give you all of my life, my children and my family. And I give you other people's opinions of me. Here am I, Lord. Send me into my call. Help me break down any strongholds that stop me from completely serving you. 
I will go anywhere you ask me to go. And I will do anything you ask me to do. As long as I know it is your will for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Lord, you said to offer our lives to you as living sacrifices. To each woman that's here, I pray the fire, the fire of the altar would fall upon them as they offer themselves as living sacrifices to you. May the fire of the Holy Spirit begin to rest on you right now. May that power that raised Jesus from the dead raise you to new life as your friends and brothers and husbands, followers of Jesus. We bless you, women. We bless you. That spirit would increase on you. We're going to pray and release some things over you guys. operate out of love in the same way that, that, that a mama bear protects her cubs. There's a fierceness. There's a fierceness that God wants to release in you having to do with your call. Your call, it could, you, and how this call manifests is going to be different. It could be with your children. It could be with your grandchildren. It could be with uh, a, a variety of things that you're called to do in intercession, in worship, in your job, and reaching out in evangelism. But right now, the Lord wants to release a fierceness, a fierceness in you right now, where you've subjected yourself to timidity, where you've quieted your own voice, where you've said that you're just not going to speak up, you're not going to step out. You need to turn from that right now. You need to turn from it and say that that is not who I am, that's not who I've been made to be, but, but I'm called to be fierce, I'm called to just just, uh, uh, just to not be timid, okay, so I think that that's, that's one of the things the Lord is releasing right, right now, is that spirit of boldness okay, how that boldness manifests is going to be different, but I know there's some of you, it's going to manifest in the prayer room, okay, there's going to be things that you're going to be doing, even in the evening, there's going to be dancing, there's going to be warfare, there's going to be a variety of things that you're just going to, you're going to release it there, but here's the thing, this is the good news for you, that what you do in private begins to manifest in public, what you do in private manifests in public, out of the overflow of your heart, what you give your heart to is what flows out of you, and the Lord is tired, okay, and I mean tired in, in a jealous sort of way, but he wants that, he wants that, that warrior spirit to just, just flow through the women uh, in, in, a, in a fresh way right now. So if you want to get some prayer for the Holy Spirit to fill you with that spirit of boldness and empowerment, you know, just come on up here. I mean, you can stay in your seat, but I think the Lord wants to just do some things even up here in the altar area. So hallelujah, hallelujah to that, in Jesus' name. Also, there's, um, there's just a spirit of division that is just so powerful in our culture, in our society, it's moving in families, that is just trying to divide and set enmity between people who should love each other. Okay, some of you might be victims of that, some of you might feel the effects of that, okay, where you just find yourself, like, hating and disliking someone you're supposed to like. Well, again, this is not God's will, okay? The Lord wants us to be together. It says that, that, that blessed are those, okay, who come together in unity, that there's a commanded blessing of the, of the Lord when you agree with what His Spirit is doing, and He's coming against that division. He's coming against that spirit of division. So if that's operating in your family, in your life, uh, you know, even things you're struggling with that's separating you from loved ones, people you shouldn't be separated from, I believe that there's an anointing right there to break that yoke whatever's going on, and you can intercede for somebody, okay, who might be experiencing that toward you as well. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. There's also some women here. You have, uh, you're in management. You have leadership uh, on you. It's a gift from God on your life. And I want to pray. And I think this is in your heart. I think this is inside you. That God wants you to express management and leadership through you through your identity as a woman and he doesn't want you to compare yourself with men and lead like a man and he wants to birth something that looks really different it looks really different than the way that men lead and it's equally as valid and it's equally as impacting and so if that's you i just want you to hold your hands out in front of you i want to bless you in the name of jesus christ that you would uniquely bring forth creative new ways of managing and leading. They'd be expressed through your femininity and the power of who the Lord made you to be, the power of His image in you. I bless. I bless to pioneer. I bless to forge a whole new understanding of the way leadership happens that's as valid as a masculine approach is valid. I bless that to be released through you that without fear that you would have confidence and not fear in going forward in that that the Lord's putting in your heart. Lord, we bless this femininity that you've put among us that it would be unchained, that it would be unshackled, it would be unleashed. Lord, you said that life comes, life comes from the woman. Women, we bless you that new life would begin to come from you. Even on this Mother's Day, that new life of every kind would begin to come forth from you. That's it. Let it come. Let it come. Let it come. In Jesus' name, let it come. Let it come. Just let shame be broken off of you. Shame. Shame. Some of you, you, names have been spoken about you. And I break the power of those names that have been spoken over your life, that have labeled you. And they've been ways to control you and shame you. And I say in the name of Jesus Christ, who became a curse for you, I break that curse that was put over you. Some of it was spoken by brothers and fathers, leaders, friends, and they didn't know what they were doing. I break the power of that off of you. The shadow of that that's been over you. Let it come off of you in Jesus' name. Yeah, just receive it. Just receive it. I'm just going to pray a couple of more minutes here. Come Holy Spirit. I think there's several women here that you've had problems with cysts, ovarian cysts. And before you leave, I, I want to encourage you to, to get someone to pray for you. That those, those cysts have something to do with warfare that's been going on against you and against your family, and you as a woman in particular. Is that, that, that's just a symbol of the fruitfulness of your life and your ability to, to give life. And there's a fear of that. Lord, we bless the women that are here. We bless them in your name. We bless the young women. Julie Renner, I, I, I got a word for you couple of weeks ago and you weren't here, so I want to just give it to you now. I just want you to close your eyes and hold your hands out if you didn't mind. Julia, the Lord has had his favor on you your whole life. 
His favor has been on you from your birth. And at times it didn't seem like it was, but His favor has been on you. And Julie, I bless you, even as as God said to Abram, I'm blessing you to be a blessing. And Julie, I, I bless you that the favor that's on your life would begin to pour out of you onto other people in unusual ways. That that favor that's on your life would become something that you give to others, that you, you pass on to others, that God would give you creative ways of how to do that. And just that, that there'd be a spring of living water that would bubble up inside you and it would just wash out on other people. presence. Every time we gather, we want to make room and space for you. And while these last few weeks we've been opening your word to look at uh, your work, Holy Spirit, we don't want to just make it a part of our lives that we do because of an arbitrarily chosen subject to study and investigate. We want this to be a way of life that that your word said that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit individually and together so Holy Spirit we we welcome you to make us your temple week in and week out day in and day out and even as the Jewish people saw the fire resting upon them as a people in the the wilderness the cloud of, of pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire we ask for that same sense of your presence that they carried that we could carry it but in even greater measure father I pray for everyone here today especially the women that they would be able to walk out of our gathering and sustain a sense of your presence that they're that's touching them now wherever they go lord whatever their workplace is wherever they live that they would realize that you are there with them no matter what it looks like